0: Welcome to the, the center of the world from media missionaries. This is where we gather every week. We talk about our lives and talk about God's new messengers that he's raising up around the world. Well, uh, we're going to continue today our study about God's new messengers and the kind of messenger that he Is raising up around the world. That's why we're gathered, and that's why hopefully you're here because this world needs encouragement. It needs the gospel. And God is raising up a new kind of messenger who will speak for Him to this generation. And we believe that is what that's why He's called you, and that's what He's called you to do. So we want to be here every week to encourage you and bring you. uh, encouragement, training, networking with each other, uh, and an opportunity to continue your growth and development through courses that we have online and through some courses that are live and conducted in your country. So we're really excited about this new initiative uh, of the MediaLite Network. And thank you for joining us again today. All right. Well, today I want to go back to something that I brought up last week, and uh, I think it's such an important point that I want to revisit it and dig down a little bit deeper, and that is the idea that we need uh, we need a new model for ministry in this generation because everything, you know, it's been changing anyway. It's just that we had a sudden surge with this virus. There was... Um, we, we went forward in time, like what would be 10 years of development. It, it just happened. So now we're already like in the future more than we were and having to deal with that. But God's not, you know, heaven's not all nervous today and God's not shocked. He saw this coming and he has prepared us for it. But so we've got the technology tools. You know, he's got us to the stage that the Bible said when Jesus came uh, the first time, that in the fullness of time, when time was perfect, God sent His Son. Well, that was only the second time there had ever been a world language. You had the Tower of Babel, the destruction of the first language, and then you had Alexander the Great who conquered the known world and made everybody learn Greek, and that's when Jesus came because you could go anywhere in the world, speak Greek. If you could write in Greek, everybody could read it. That's when the New Testament was written, And that's when the first wave of Christian evangelism took place around the world. And then things just develop on for a couple thousand years. Well, now we're back to another world language that has come together, and it's media. And media is overcoming the curse of Babel, and it's making communication visual and story-based. And it's bringing us to a new place that we we couldn't have anticipated. But everybody now has everything that you need to become a messenger, to get a, a doorway to your kind of people, uh, especially your kind of people all over the world. But I, I think in order for us to succeed, we're going to have to understand that when these times have shifted, we're in a different position than we've ever been before. And so today I want to talk to you about God's new messengers in Babylon God's new messengers having to minister in Babylon and basically it's a it's a contrast between empire building and exile because in the early sections of the Old Testament you have the concept of empire building and you have Joshua And the children of Israel, and they are taking the promised land, and they're like taking it. There's spiritual war. We're taking our cities. We're taking our land. And then David establishes it on a firm footing God's government, God's nation. And they have this experience of being top, you know, the top dog. And for Christian people, uh, the first 300 years. Of our existence as a movement, we were horribly persecuted, and you don't find Christian buildings. Christians met in houses. They were locally persecuted first, and then later, the government of Rome came down on the church uh, under Nero and others, and there was just a great slaughter of Christian leaders. And this goes on for for the first three hundred years of our movement, but then the emperor gets born again actually gets born. he accepts jesus i'm not going to say he was born again he accepts the lordship of jesus uh, because his family had gotten into his mother and his grandma and they were introducing him to it and his name was constantine and he establishes that he's the christian army and they set themselves up as the christian army and they go to war in rome and he wins and he becomes the emperor of rome and he establishes Istanbul, Turkey, which was Constantinople, and he the dividing line between Europe and Asia. He puts a big church there. You could still go today, the Hagia Sophia, uh, which later became a mosque. And he establishes Christian power. So now, just like Joshua had power, and just like David had power, now Christians have power. And so, uh, a lot of people get that sense, and you know, we all we all want to win, and we all like privilege, and we all want blessings, and we enjoy blessings. And there there is in the mind of a lot of people, you know, a gospel that that is really all about winning. It's about you're a loser now. Jesus will make you a winner. You're going to get more money if you no matter what your is sort of like Jesus is your um he's your wild card and every problem that life has ah, i'm playing the Jesus card ah i get healed oh no my business is doing poorly oh yeah i'm going to pray to Jesus bam i get the Jesus card again now my business is beating your business and it's competition and it's that Christians want to be on top and and for a lot of people they think this is the gospel And they don't understand what this does to evangelism, which is the heart of God. Lost people matter to God. When Jesus leaves, the one thing he said for the church to do was go to all the lost people in the world. Go to all the other nations. Go to the ones that have never heard and bring them this message. I am bringing them back to the Father. They are included in God's family. And Paul is able to write, there's no longer a dividing wall between the Jewish children of God and the non-Jewish. He has wiped it out. Slave, free, rich, poor, male, female. It's There's no wall. God is receiving everyone as his children. It's a beautiful message. But When we become competitors against others and we drag God into this, you know, there's so many like multi-level marketing companies and they bring God into it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on the one hand, it's it's really great to endeavor to be a Christian business, but it's also the Bible talks about making merchandise out of God's people, where you use churches for your network for selling your products and Anyway, that's one of my pet peeves. My point is, when you start to think that being God's people means you're the top people, that in the competition between humans, you have just landed on top, all because of Jesus, you, you're not going to be able to evangelize in that position. And worse, our track record when we are totally on top of the world Whether it's the Jews or whether it's the Christians, our track record as people who worship Yahweh, creator of heaven and earth, is really bad when we're in charge of everything. Don't know why you'd think we'd be like the greatest leaders the world had ever known, but we're not. And so we crash and burn things and it just, there's just failure. Uh, we, we fail to live up to the standards of God. We lay the, the, the principles and the heart and the value system of God, we kind of lay it off to one side and say, yeah, well, you know, that's for church. This is business, and we run business and politics, and we can be rough and mean and heartless, and it's, we're no different from the people in the world. So what happened in the Old Testament to them has also happened to Christianity in this generation, and that is exile. Uh, we're in love with empire building, but what we need and what the gospel needs is exile. And so the Jewish people go down a road of failure. I mean, David is the first great king of Israel. He hands everything over to his son Solomon, who makes it richer, bigger more lavish, expanded, you know, he he scales Israel. And then it falls apart from that point on. They stop worshiping God. They start worshiping other idols too with God. And then little by little, they just become pagans. And the Lord sends them messengers. And he says, I am going to send you into exile. If you don't change your heart and follow me, because you can't just be blessed. You got to be blessable. And he says, if you if you don't follow me, I'm going to send you into exile. And so he does. He sends him into exile. And If you can just imagine, you know, you go from being a world power with a world power, military and other nations pay you just to not attack them every year. And then all of a sudden you're stripped. Your nation is totally crushed and your enemies pour in through the gates that temple to Yahweh that you said was your protection, they just burned it down. And all the stuff in it that you said, we can't go inside, you can't even touch it. They touched it. They took it home with them, and they're melting our stuff down. They're taking the gold. It's like they've totally wrecked our home city. They tore the walls down. They killed the government. There's no, we aren't a nation anymore. And then they took the Jews And they drag them into Babylon. And now you find yourself in a position as an exile where you have no political power. You have no status. Whatever status you used to have, it's gone. Your money is gone. Your position in society is gone. uh, And you are just stripped. You are down to bare bones. Once again, you're just a person. And you don't have any of your stuff Uh, and there are so many stories in the Bible. And actually, all those written prophets, that comes in about 100 years during this season of Israel's life. And God begins to speak to them as exiles. And he says, you're not where you used to be. Now you are exiles. And many of them are saying, oh, but just for a few months, God's going to give us back. And he says, no, I'm not. And he sends him a message through Jeremiah and he says, just plant trees, get your kids married, have kids, raise your grandkids. You're not leaving. I am going to leave you in exile until I bring you home whenever I see that it's time for that. So now the Jews find themselves in an entirely different situation. They are foreigners in a strange land. They have no power. In the competition between humans, they're the the losers—they're never going to be winners. They they can they can try to have a life that's enjoyable, and they can find these moments, you know, of where food is good and family is with you. Uh, but they're never going to be on top of the world like they were before. And and you'd think that that would be so emotionally crippling, and you would think. How can anybody speak for God now? you know you've you're defeated, you're weak, you don't have any power and yet there are all these stories in the Bible and they're the big famous stories. you've got Abraham before uh, the pagan kings, you've got Joseph before the king of Egypt, you've got Moses before the king and it's it's there's all these stories in the Old Testament of, a Jew in the court of a powerful king. And they're no longer competitors to that king. He, there's nothing about the Jew as God's representative in the Old Testament. There's nothing about that individual that makes them a threat. They're not a powerful person. They don't bring anything. The normal stuff, you know, that enters the throne room of a great king is all gone with them and yet they are unique because in all these stories there are a few things that you'll always see in these stories and the first one is that they there's something supernatural about them they have a connection with the god that they're not there representing the jewish people and the jewish power they're there representing the God who made all the gods, the God who made all the humans, the God above everything, that God. And um, that's a unique position for them. And so kings recognize them because they're supernatural things. They God gives them revelation about dreams. He gives them visions about the future. He gives them wise advice. He gives them, but it's always that. Those people are supernaturally touched. There is a connection between them, even in all their brokenness, even in all their, uh, you know, the state they find themselves in, they are connected to this great God somehow. And they learn to respect the God connection in the life of these people. Second thing that you learn from these people is that they are the ones that make it to have a story about them. They are loyal to this God and to that relationship. They are loyal unto death. They will die rather than violate their loyalty to this God. And thirdly, they speak. They speak as the messengers of the great God. So they don't have to own a lot of stuff. They don't speak because of all this human power that they have. They speak because they represent Yahweh. Well, what's happening? They're the image of God. We were created to be the imagers of God, that we reflect God to the world. We, When they see us, they think about Him. And now, because you have nothing else, you're back in that position, and you've got an anointed voice, and God starts to use them, and He uses them in the courts of the powerful And he uses them um, in Babylon. And I think instead of looking for our models in stories like Joshua, where we're going to take this city and take our town for Jesus, and I think we have to understand that we are in Babylon. And that we will usually, when you're in exile, it's for life. You're not getting out. Your circumstances are not going to change. But you end up with all of these situations, like Daniel's book is just an amazing, uh, it's an amazing read, all the things that happen. But the one that, he had a relationship with many different kings because his career spans decades. He has a, uh, this one king, King Nebuchadnezzar, and he and Daniel have this relationship. They're not like best buddies. But uh, Daniel is a man that when the king really wants to know the truth about something, he goes to him. And this king has a, he's the same king that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. And now he, in chapter four, the king, there's this insert where the king tells his own story of, I was in my palace, verse four, chapter four. I was at rest in my house, flourishing in my palace, but I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed, the visions of my head, they troubled me, and I issued a decree to bring all the wise men to interpret the dream, and the magicians and astrologers, Chaldeans and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation, but at last Daniel came before me. Now, this is, here's the environment that Daniel lives in, okay? It's not a God-centric, you know, Yahweh-worshiping environment. He says, at last Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar. The king renamed him instead of Daniel, Elohim, you know, God, our God. He names him, he said, I named him according to the name of my God, and in him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, and he, he tells him the dream. And then Daniel sits there, and he's, uh, he's just, it's, verse 19 says, Then Daniel was astonished for a time. His thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream trouble you. And Daniel answered and said, My lord, may the dream Concern those who hate you. May the interpretation be about your enemies, because the tree, anyway, the tree is you. The king has had this dream. And but this is the part I want to get. Uh Daniel turns on him and he says, verse 27 Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous, break off your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, and perhaps there will be a lengthening of your prosperity. You know, Daniel is in a position to speak even to powerful kings, and he does not hold back. Can you imagine telling, I mean, kings in those days, you just give them bad food, they cut your head off. And total power. And Daniel can look at the king and say, you've got to stop your sinning you know, please stop your sinning. This is going to be bad for you. He's representing the Lord, but he's representing the Lord, stripped of his power, stripped of his money, stripped of his status. And he understands all I have is a unique relationship with the creator God. And I have to be loyal. That God is loyal to me. I have to be loyal unto death to stand with him. And I have to open my mouth And I have to speak. I have to learn to speak. And I have to be willing to speak regardless of what it costs me. And you know, God has given each of us these amazing opportunities to speak. Now, you may never get invited to speak to a large crowd, but you can speak to a large crowd every day without any invitation. You just open this up and learn how to use it. We have a special course just for you. It's totally free. Go to medialightonline.com. Media, L-I-G-H-T, Online.com. This course is called the Church Leaders Digital Survival Course. You need it. It's going to help you learn to produce a one-minute daily devotional, or however often you can do it, that, and it will teach you how to record it, uh, what you need to do to stand well and present well and look good with uh, your photography. Everything is in this course. Totally free. It's for you because you're in Babylon, whether you know it or not. We're all in Babylon, and it's not going to change. Uh, the idea that Christianity is the dominant power and religion in, in your culture. Now, some of you are from cultures that uh, don't have freedom of religion and Christianity is not a majority faith so you may have a hard time understanding the whole concept of powerful Christianity but in the west for 2000 years the Christian faith has been the the guiding force for morals ethics and and thoughts and it's in the poetry it's in the it's in the stories it's all through western culture but now we find ourselves fighting for any, uh, any hold in the culture, and we're losing it. We've lost it ourselves because of our own actions. But I don't think we're going to be in the position we were at anymore. I think exile is a more accurate place. If you're living in the West, I think you're there. And if you're living in other parts of the world, you're already there. We're a minority faith with little power, but we know the Lord and the gospel alone has so much power. And today in our interview segment, uh, we've got a really cool interview with Mark Rosakai. And he is a pastor and a church planter and an outreach leader. Uh, he's also the showrunner in charge of this, uh, this podcast. But uh, I want to interview him about uh, what he sees regarding God's new messengers, what God is doing in the world and the kind of messengers The Lord is Raising Up. So join me now for our interview with Mark Rosakai. All right. We're so glad to have tonight on the interview segment, Mark Rosakai. And I've known Mark for many, many years, and I've known him as a, a person within the church And he's trying to lead uh, the activities of the church and keep them focused on outreach. Everything from student center outreaches to uh, church planting outreaches and now a big adventure uh, at the turn of the year to a whole nother kind of outreach. And We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think uh, Mark is going to have a a very important perspective from the side of the church to say what the role of God's messengers is has always been, and what is changing in the world and what we need to see happen now in God's new messenger. So really glad to have you here with us tonight, Mark. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Very happy to be here. And hello to everybody who's watching us all around the globe. We are sending you good vibes from uh, Chiang Rai, Thailand.
0: Super good. Well, tell us a little bit about your family and about this, your latest big adventure that started this year?
1: Yeah, married to uh, my very beautiful wife. Uh, her name is Vai, and uh, we've been married for 14 years, uh, and we have two boys, uh, Uno, uh, who is uh, 12 years old, and uh, Tatum, who's turning eight in uh, two weeks' time. And uh, we just actually transferred and are building our lives here in Chiang Rai, Thailand, Uh, used to uh, work uh, as uh, the national overseer at Lighthouse Christian Community back in Manila, Philippines.
0: Great. Well, you started a new adventure, a new level of outreach doing uh, uh, foreign missions here with us. And we're just so happy to have you on the team. And Mark is also the showrunner for this podcast. So I'll talk to him about that in a little bit. So he's got a lot uh, a perspective that we're going to want to hear from him tonight. Um, t- tell me about, like, like I said in the introduction, you know, like when i when I first knew you as a young person coming through the youth group, you were already a leader, and even like just in your out, coming out of your teens and into your early twenties, you were very competent. You were already in charge of teams, and those teams were going to campuses and even other countries. And leading outreaches, and uh, what's the best part of an outreach-oriented life? Outreach-oriented, even church life, because so much of church life can just be maintenance, where we're doing the same thing, trying to keep church people happy, and we don't want anybody, you know, fussing, and we want to keep them growing. And but there's a whole nother life that comes in, you know, when your focus is on outreach. That's right.
1: There's a there's an animated movie called uh, Up and it has this um, slogan that says the adventure is out there. And I think that's that's the best thing about uh, belonging to a community that is outward looking and is also outreach oriented because you then get a taste of the adventure because it is true. The, the adventure is out there.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the What's the best part of coming into somebody's life who is not aware of Jesus has no relationship with Him, and that that whole process of moving them more toward the Lord? What are the parts of that that just stand out to you as so meaningful?
1: I think that's that's part of the adventure that I was talking about. So much about our being a Christian and being a disciple is, I guess, and I guess because of the structure that we have been raised into, we're in, there's a lot of, you know, Bible studies, and there's a lot of, you know, open these books and open these notebooks, uh, and we're going to learn together, and and that's all good, but there's something about the heart of Jesus That you really don't get to explore and get to really understand and really grasp until you get out and until you get face to face with somebody and take that that, the hand of that person and start walking with that person towards Christ. Um, There's a there's a there's a depth to it and there's beauty to it whenever you are confronted with the reality that the rest of the world, if they don't get to know Jesus, um, you know it's um, it's life and death, you know, and um, that moves you that's move that moves you to action, that moves you to to love, you know, as the Word of God says, it compels you. And I think when you go out there and when you do these kind of, of of ministry uh when you are face to face with people and loving people uh there's there's so much about the heart of Jesus that you get to know uh that personally and I'm 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 speaking from my personal experience um you don't you don't really get that in a in a classroom or in a you know bible study uh, sit down setup
0: i've always loved all of the coincidences. When when I'm doing outreach ministry and I and God helps me to connect with some new person and I know they don't know him, they don't have a clue. It's just always so wild. Like all the things that will happen, and I kind of think that's one of the jobs of an angel, you know, is organizing them. They just happened to have missed their flight, and that's why they were sitting in this seat and. And you asked this question, and they were just reading a book about that. And, you know, kind of just like that story in the book of Acts, where the man's in the chariot, you know, and and Philip is able to just walk up beside him and jump straight into this conversation. And, you know, when you're yeah. in a moment like that, you don't need to go slow and try to work yourself into a friendship. You just you just appear like an angel and you just go straight to the heart of it. And it's just it's, ah, it's just fascinating. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, and He has brought us to be His messengers. Uh, what have you seen changing in the church, in the world of the church that you've been near? Uh, what's been changing in the last, let's say, 10 or 15 years? And you see some things that maybe aren't working the way they used to work so well, and now maybe not, and the system might there's a need for you know renovation we have to keep reinventing the church and god has to keep calling new messengers and, you know one generation of messengers won't do it he has to continually renew that call as the world changes and these young messengers rise up so what changes have you seen and what changes are called for
1: as as somebody who has, have come alongside uh, pastors and church leaders, uh, what I've seen that is positive uh, is there's a lot of evaluation that is going on uh, right now. Uh, leaders are looking again into what have we built and is it working? And, and with that evaluation comes the admission that we, we haven't figured it out yet you know we we haven't gotten it yet and or maybe these things that we have uh that were built uh, a long time uh they 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 worked and they served us for a time but some of them have to be as you said uh restructured so that's one positive thing that that I think is is happening what i would love to see is uh, a change of perspective in the way that we disciple people. Um, you know, I've, I've heard uh, a lot of, you know, within meetings and within conferences, you know, from, you know, small uh, meetings uh, to, to big conferences, talks about discipleship. And along the lines, uh, you know, you'd hear, uh, we have to disciple people because that's one way of keeping them as members. You know, so again, uh, the motivation for discipleship is to maintain, uh, you know, this this church that, that that we have. When really the heart I feel be behind true discipleship is to release uh, people, uh, and and that's what I want to to happen and to see more and more. Uh, in in the local churches, wherein pastors and and leaders would come alongside people, not so much so that they can keep them, but but to release them. I feel that if the local church would have a more kingdom mindset, it would benefit the local church more, and it would benefit the the body of Christ uh, more. We we ought to disciple people to release them to their prophetic destiny, to release them to their gifts, to release them to the kind of anointing that God has uh, already apportioned uh, for them.
0: How have you seen, let's just say in the last five years, how has the world changed around you?
1: Oh, I, I think, you know, what we're experiencing now, uh, it's it's forcing us to, mm. you know, it's forcing us to, uh, to one, reevaluate. Number two, to really change, you know, uh, the way we do things. Uh, and 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 uh, I'm. I, I just hope that we need to. I just hope that we can do it faster, uh, you know, uh, to, so that we can keep up uh, with with what's going on around the
0: world. I think one of the things that this virus—it's really not the virus. It's the response of governments to the virus. And they've created this lockdown system. And that's been pretty much a global experience. And what I feel like has happened is there were trends that were already happening. These are not new trends. We were already seeing move to virtual everything. And, you know, if you've ever watched Black Mirror episodes, you know, just all this freaky stuff that happens when you start mixing humans and technology and it starts to go in here and Uh, You know, but what I think COVID did in this big shutdown is that we we leapt forward 10 years in about six weeks. And I don't think it goes back. I think once you do that and once business and government and we're trying to figure it out relationally because we haven't got that sorted. But in some ways it has made an online relationship more legitimate now. And humans now feel a little bit dangerous, like you could uh, you could give me a disease or I could compromise your family. Or there's so much violence now breaking out in different places in the world because we're. this is getting to our head. But, you know, to go back into this zone, and I'm not saying I'm voting for this. I'm just saying it's already happening. What we have to do is just roll with it and say, how do I use this? Uh, how do I use? this for evangelism. how do I use this for gospel? How do I use this? Um, what do you see just in your heart, God's new messenger post COVID world? I think
1: there's so much um, about there's so much value about you know face to face and the kind of relationship that we have been accustomed to. But again, as you as you said, um, this is our reality now, and we have to learn to roll with it. Um, I feel that there is a returning to um, returning to the power of just the message going out there. Uh, the, the the power and the value of the message being spoken um, because the way I see it and have observed, and again, I can only speak from uh, personal experience, a lot of the the, the personal relationships uh, as a structure in, in our discipleship, that has been abused uh, as well. Uh, and it gets in the way of of the message. What, what I like about maybe uh, our situation now is um, there's just a returning to just, you know, valuing the message getting out there. You know, somebody, uh, I cannot be with my friends now, so I have to find a way. We cannot do Bible study. I have to find a way, you know, let's do Zoom. You know, we're not holding each other's hands, you know, we're not laying, uh, hands on each other. Uh, but still the message is getting out, you know, and, uh, Mm -hmm. trusting the power of, of that message and trusting the power of God's word to, to do its work, even in, if we see this, you know, as, as limited as it is, or is limiting as it is. Uh, but, uh, trusting that the power of god's message is going to you know do its work and do its um you know work in the lives of the people that are that are hearing it so i feel you know I feel like there is so much value in what you said uh in the last show uh where there is just a democratization of of the media now because anybody who who wants to send the message of God out there can because the microphone is available, you know? And, um, if you have, if you have a social media, uh, page, that is your pulpit, that is your platform. Mm-hmm. And so you can send the message out, you know, mm-hmm. and trust that the power of that message is going to be received and it's going to, work in the lives of the people that are hearing it uh, without maybe the intervention of you laying your hands on them, because right now you can't. you know. Um, And so there's something about this that I feel we need to, as you said, roll with it. And as we do, we're going to learn something. We're going to be able to revisit something. We're going to be able to rediscover something. And I feel that one of those is just the power. Of God's word, the power of the spoken word of God.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't plan to do this, but I want to do it. I want everybody to look at me, and I want to tell you something, because there is a power from God, and it can go right through this screen. Mark just said you can't physically touch somebody, but I'm telling you, you can by these weird. I mean, it's digital bits going all over the world, but it isn't. It's humans. It's a human to a human, and God will anoint that. And if you will, but you got to raise the flag. If you will raise the flag and say, I am willing to be one of God's new messengers, I'm going to out myself as a Christian, and I am going to start taking little tiny bits of God's Word, and I am going to share it, because I'm telling you, this world needs encouragement. Uh, we've got 300% suicide rates in just 90 days. People are falling apart because of this. Uh, we have a course. I want you to go to medialightonline.com and look for the one that's called uh, Digital Church Leaders Digital Survival Course. It's completely free. We're going to teach you how to do a one-minute devotional where you can... Get God's word out. And the important thing is what happens after that, because they're going to write you back. Just last week uh, from the episode that we aired on Facebook, so many people joined and we didn't know them. And so Sherry began a conversation with one lady in particular uh, who's been raised in the Middle East, and they've just had such a beautiful friendship. They probably spent 20 hours this week uh chatting back and forth with each other, getting to know each other's story. It's a real human relationship, and it's done completely through digital means. God will anoint you to do this. You are His new messengers, and He is going to let you minister for Him in this new way if you just wrap your arms around it and say, Lord, I'm going to use it. Uh, Mark, you're the showrunner for this, this whole project, so let's just close with that. What What's in your heart that you hope to see coming out of these weekly meetings, this, this meetup that we do every week on Tuesdays?
1: Well, we're hoping for those of you who are watching us and joining us uh, weekly that you would be encouraged. That's, that's the first thing. And that what you get out of the show is some, something that you can run with, that you feel equipped and empowered so that you can now take on uh god's message and in your own social media platforms uh you know uh, just release that you know and and be that person that uh, is a part of somebody's encouragement uh you know on a on a daily basis if, if you'd like to um you know uh, god is racing uh, a brand new uh messengers a new breed uh, of messengers, uh, right now. I'm, I'm sure everybody is um, missing, you know that that bit of uh, the church we're in. We can see each other and we can meet and we can hold each other's hands and we can lay uh, our hands on each other. I'm sure we 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 all miss that. I miss that. I love that part of the church, but right now we cannot do that, um, you know. And um, there is something happening uh in the world that i feel that as as christians um we we can tap into it and as we do we can rediscover something and uh we can you know learn more about what god is doing and so yeah we we'd love for you to join us every week We'd love for you to, um, you know, uh, come on board uh, with Light Network. And as we, you know, uh, give you this weekly shows, uh, we hope that you are encouraged. We hope that you are empowered. We hope that you feel that you are equipped so that you can be God's messengers in your own circle of friends and using your social media platform as your pulpit uh, you know, to spread God's message and spread God's love.
0: All right, Mark, thank you so much for being here with us tonight on the Media Light Network. Bye, everybody. All right, and we're back now to do some question and response. So if you've got things you'd like to ask. um, We got responses. I didn't call it question and answer. I call it question and response because I'll at least have a response. Uh, Mucha. Sarah Torres asks, what advice would you give new digital messengers in this Babylon where the mentality is really like Babylon, me, myself, and I? Well, I think you've already highlighted one thing, And that is, we have to have a different mentality. Um, You know, there's a whole book. I didn't read the book, but I got the message. It's called Utility. And the whole point of the book is, uh, you as a person online, uh, it's not like we put ourselves online and everybody wants to come find out about us. That is not how it works. People have problems. If you'd like to help them solve, because we are in Babylon, If you'd like to help them solve their problems, then you have value. You have value to them. You have utility. So make yourself like a utility knife. And it's like, I'm good for all kinds of things. And if you can come down to uh, a centered place in your heart where you are here to help other people progress in life, you're here to help them uh, deal with whatever problems you've dealt with. Successfully, uh, and I'll tap my resources. I'll do what I can to help move you forward. So we have to sort of figure out what am I here for, as far as in their world. And this is why, if you are going to be in the digital space, you are going to have to learn a little bit about branding. And we're going to come out with a course on that pretty soon. Uh, you, your personal brand, you know, you as a brand, because the point of branding yourself is to say. I'm the kind of person you look to to help you in this area of your life. And then don't get too broad or nobody will know how to pick you. So I think that's a really good, uh, it's a really good question. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to put a response up or if you have another question. Uh, you want to, while we're waiting for the next question, you want to add go ahead and tell them a little bit about what's coming up?
2: Yes. In MediaLite, we have lots of of logos, lots of sayings, and one of those is work hard, play hard. And we love working hard, and we get a lot accomplished, but we love playing. And if you've ever been with us physically uh, on campus or anywhere we go, you'll know that. We really love to play. So after we're finished here, and uh, the team is putting up some links on the chat room, We are going to have two different um, Zoom parties, so if you are more interested in using media um, for ministry um, and you want to discuss some ministry things about using media, join that Zoom party. If you have questions about specific things about media, there will be a link um, there to join and join that Zoom party, but we hope to see all of you at our Zoom parties in just a few minutes.
0: All right, so that's all for us. This mic is yours.